<laughs> we good? Guess we're good. All right. Cool, man. Thanks for uh, coming up on yeah, a Friday. Of course, man. Of course. Get some traffic, right? <laughs> L.A., man. Mudslides. It's been <laughs> Seattle lately up here, dude. We're not paying for this weather. Man, tell me about your uh, your background. You know, like everybody's always talking about your like your skateboarding and and you and and just yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm from Duluth, Minnesota, like the frozen tundra, the coldest city in America. Um, odd place to grow up skateboarding, but that's where it all started. And then um, what do you what do you do in the winter when it's freezing? Hockey. Hockey. <laughs> Everybody it. stops doing it. That was my first sport. That was my first martial art because you grab the jersey and you start swinging, you know? So <laughs> um, just play hockey, snowboard, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then uh, transitioned out of that and got, uh, I don't know, like uh, a lot of hockey is kind of like rich kids sport, mm. you know, like the richer kids would get on the good teams and, you know, it just like skateboarding was club teams like, and stuff yeah kind of like soccer and skateboarding was just like you whatever you put into it you get out of it which i i loved you know um and then uh it's all i thought about you know but getting out of small town minnesota is also not like the easiest thing to do so i uh i moved out when i was 19 and i had done two years of massage therapy school and I had okay. six months left before okay. I had a degree. And uh, on a whim, uh, someone, one of my friends was like, I'm moving to uh, Long Beach. Do you want to sleep in the closet? In the closet. Yeah, because there was like seven dudes in a two-bedroom kind of situation. <laughs> so I was like, screw it. I'll take the closet. That's fine. And uh, I moved out with like 500 bucks and a backpack, no car. And I worked at Subway in Long Beach. Sandwich was a sandwich artist. Yep, a sandwich artist. Um, the the guy that I worked, he was my manager. He was like a gangbanger, and he would just drink four locos in the back. And uh, that was who I worked with every day. In Long Beach? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Like some like ex-Sedeno guy who managed a uh, subway and uh, just tried to live the skate dream. Just like took the plunge, moved out here, and then... Um, I ended up meeting somebody from Val Surf right down the street mm. um, in North Hollywood. Um, and he knew me for one day and he let me move into his couch, got me a job at the skateboard shop. He's like, you're not working at Subway anymore. I'm going to get you a job over here now. After one conversation? One day. We had a mutual friend in the okay. Midwest and um, we got kicked out of our apartment. The seven of us in the two bedroom after like a couple months, they kind of caught on and weren't really... Uh, Stoked on what we were doing there. <laughs> so um, we got kicked out of there, and I was going to go home, and a mutual friend of mine put me in contact with somebody and was like, call my friend Trevor. He might be able to bail you out. So I called him, and I was like, I, I'm at the Long Beach bus station. I got like 400 bucks, and I'm trying to figure out, like, getting home from here. And uh, you know, I didn't have the Internet on my phone at that time. It was like 15 years ago. So I was at the <laughs> library trying to book a flight, you know, and figure out how to, like, take a cab from Long Beach to the – LAX. He was like, come stay with me. It's okay. He's like, I'm glad Dave had you call me. I was like, okay, cool. So nice. we met up and then he was like, I like you. I'm going to try to figure out how to get you a job in so many words. And, um, ended up getting me a job at Val Surf right down the street from here, which is like the oldest skate shop in the world. I wow. had no idea what I was getting into. I knew he worked at a skate shop, but that's all I knew. Um, and then from there I started managing the shop 
then I started helping out with the buying. And Val Surf has like a legendary skate team. They've been around forever and super respected in the industry. So I started like filming video parts, which I always wanted to do. Cause mm. that's like the goal yeah. of like, like video parts are like belts for jujitsu. It takes years to do one and you don't, you only get a few of them, you know, and you really put your whole heart into, into every single one. So I filmed about three or four video parts. Each video part took like about two to three years because each clip is only like three seconds long. Or if it's a line, like a couple tricks, it's only six seconds. So you can do that math with like a four minute song. Like that's a lot of tricks that you have to get. It takes it's a lot of reps, a lot of falls, a lot of falls. Lot of yeah, totally. Like you can take, I've gone back three or four times for tricks and it's three seconds long, but that was a whole month of like effort towards something Trying. of going back every weekend when the spots open, going back, going back, going back. So like I, you'll put a month into three seconds. You know, and then there's multiple clips throughout that video part. So like um, just filmed a bunch of video parts through Val Surf and um, got into one of the bigger magazines was Transworld. Mm. And I ended up getting a trick in one of their magazines and um, basically made it farther than I ever thought I would make it, you know, for being like small town Minnesota kid. Um, I had a couple tricks and some like major videos, just like a single trick, but still like to me, that was like, I never, ever thought I would be there ever. Um, and yeah, I don't All know from that guy's kindness, huh? Putting you into the shop and yeah, I like you. Yeah, totally. He just, he just like saw they were from the Midwest and they were like, just this Midwest kid, just an idiot <laughs> out here trying to figure it out, you know? And they gave me an opportunity and then I just like, you know, busted my ass at the shop, wanted to learn everything. Like, how does buying work? How does the back end work? Mm. How does this work? And then I also skated. So it ended up being like um, a good thing for me because mm. like not only do you work at the skate shop, but you also are like skating really hard, which inevitably like people like people that talk the talk and walk the walk, yeah. you know, so ended up kind of getting keys to the city there and they like let me help with the buying and hired all the people I wanted to and hired filmers and then those filmers made videos. So it ended up being like a real dream situation wow. that I never could have imagined when I like looking back it like the Minnesota kid in me, if I would have known how far skating would have got and how amazing it would have got, I would have been like, I can't believe that, you know, like skating with my heroes, filming stuff, living in California, like, I mean, this you is did like, it. This is what everybody dreams about, you know, and like I got to do it. So, well, one of the conversations we always have is how their parallels with jujitsu and skateboarding. Tons, tons. Like, it seems I mean, like every time I we talk, <laughs> it comes up. You know, it's like crazy, man. You, know, you have no idea. I think in a, inevitably it's like the like you you get out what you put in. Mm. You know, like playing hockey, I could score three goals and lose the game still lose you know what i mean and like it's jujitsu skateboarding it's all tribal you know like somebody could come on the mat with a black belt one of us rolls with him and we know if he's full of shit we know if he's not a black belt you know and like there's a language that you speak and it's like something you can't really identify but like when i'm around skaters like we speak the same language i don't have to know them I can like meet them at a park and it's like, Hey, they like, we both put a lot of like blood into this and like our lives you have to dedicate to be good at something. 
So it kind of creates like a certain kind of person and you almost get along with like everybody, mm. you know, it's like a the deep, same deep respect. Totally. And like, you know, like if I see a guy with like, you know, a jujitsu hoodie on or something at the airport, I can be like, what up, dude? And he's like, oh, what up? We chop it up for a little bit. And it's just yeah. kind of like, hey, man, like it's it's like the same yeah. community and like skateboarding and jujitsu both have that and just martial arts in general. It's just like a respect thing because it's like I know you have to be like a particular kind of person and somebody that I would probably like 90 percent of the time. Mm to be this so like it already just cuts the mustard on like do i got to know you do whatever i'm like oh you skate oh you do jujitsu oh you train whatever i'm like i probably already like you you know like we can get along in a lot of different ways so so you're still out in cali yeah from uh from those early days <laughs> yeah we made it 16 years ago 16 years well i believe so if i counted my math right um which is crazy like i'm, I'm about four or five years from being dead even with like how long I was in Minnesota before moving here, which is crazy. I can't believe it's been that long. But yeah, I've been out here for 15 years. My son's 15, 15 and a half. 15? Where yeah. are you from? Well, New Mexico. Okay. Originally. And then, uh, but I lived, in, I went to high school in New York and lived in Germany when I, was, when I was a kid. And then after high school, I went to Brazil. That's so. about as cool as it gets. You really touched them all there. It's like get, get my bases covered, right? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Seriously, man. Yeah. But where I was, where I was chatting, so I was skateboarding comes up, and then the parallels of of skateboarding and jujitsu. Yeah, it's there. I don't think I like things that don't have repercussions, you know. And I also don't like things that don't make me like. There's like an aspect of like frustration mm. and like winning and losing that I think I, I need in something, you know, I can like golf, but I won't love it. You know, yeah. I can I can like other things. I can enjoy it. But there's, there's a danger right in uh, in jujitsu. And it's, you know, that makes like a respect because the, the danger, the risk of getting hurt, the risk of I don't know. Yeah. You know, your ego. Right. I mean, the <laughs> ego, a hundred percent. And and that's the same in skating, too. It's like you'll go try a trick for three hours, get completely smoked, barely be able to walk for a couple of weeks. And like it's you'll be this close, but you just can't get it. And it's like I think that aspect of like. So I actually ended up getting really hurt. Um, I had uh, like four reconstructive ankle surgeries. Ankle. Wow. Yeah. So I, I was skating this rail and ended up like um, hurting my ankle really bad. Mm. And then they botched the first surgery and I had to have three subsequent ones after. And I didn't walk for like an entire year, like 11 months, 11 and a half months or something. I was completely off because I had surgery, surgery, surgery. And Is it true that if you, that your surgery gets botched, you can't sue the hospital or the doctor it was, that botches it? So I, my mom's a paralegal. Okay. And she, I'm not the suing type, you know, it's just like not in me to. Yeah, they have insurance and stuff. It seems like. Yeah. And ultimately I could have, and my mom basically broke it down to me. Like, do you want to like go through a whole bunch of litigation mm. and all this stuff? And inevitably my ankle was still smoked. Mm. So I was like, honestly, no, I just want to like, I just want to be better. That's all mm. I care about. Um, 
and uh, but like not walking for a year yeah. was because I was doing Muay Thai before that. I was doing I was skateboarding. I had gotten into Muay Thai for a couple years, and to go from doing those things to nothing was one of the hardest situations I've ever dealt with. You know, real like identity crisis of like, okay, the things that make me me. I can't do, mm-hmm. and I have no timeline or even know if I'm ever going to be able to do them again. Because they were talking about fusing my ankle, <laughs> which means I'll never be able to really like kick or skate or do anything. Um, I went to I went to ten different doctors and paid mm-hmm. out of pocket for all of them because insurance doesn't cover everything, you know. Especially if you're trying to get different opinions on like the most major thing. So I went to 10 different doctors and got 10 different answers Wow! with the same two MRIs. I went in, I got two MRIs and I would go and they would be like, you need this, you need this, you need this. And I would make notes on everything. And I was like, nobody completely different thing. So what do I do? Just roll the dice. That's very interesting, right? Because the MRI, I always think, you know, I tell people like it's an opinion. It's yeah. their opinion. Yeah. And you got 10 different doctors and they're all saying different things. 10, literally and you wrote 10. it down. So, you know, you knew what they said. Yeah. And every single one of those doctors was like cash pay like three to $500. I got MRIs from sources outside my insurance to make mm-hmm. sure that I was getting good, like a different one. So it's like, you guys would have everything you need here. Tell me what I need. Nobody, nobody could tell me anything. Mm-hmm. And so that year of my life was like the worst, most eye opening. like I don't have control. Like, and I think I've always kind of dictated, like, I have skating, I have these things, I have my friends, I have things, and then, like, being completely physically out of control of something, and then people telling me, like, you're probably never going to walk again the same way, I'm going to fuse your ankle, a couple of them said they were going to fuse it, a couple, and I was like, hell no, you're not, I will walk around on crutches until I find somebody that says that I can't, Um, and and then uh, I ended up finding a doctor who... She was like my last resort. It was a friend, like a reference from a friend. And she said, um, all these doctors are full of shit. And I was like, oh, and she swore. And I was like, oh, you're speaking my language. Like, why do you think that? She goes, because your MRIs are inconclusive. She's like, I'm going to have to go in. I don't know what I'm going to have to do. But clearly there's these things wrong. And like, I think there's something else. And she ended up doing an amazing job. And my ankle's at like 70%. probably of where it used to be so like i can still skate i can't skate the way i used to i can't really throw a lot of left kicks if i'm you know doing muay thai sometimes in jujitsu i have to sit out rounds or my ankle cramp and i don't really say anything so i don't want to you know make excuses but i'm able to like modify and like still enjoy get to be part of like the things that i that i want to do so but that not walking for a year was insane what was the doctor's name uh, Rachel Trish, damn, at a Santa Monica orthopedic. Shout out Rachel Trish, Shout wherever out, you huh? are. Yeah, she she pulled me from the depths, and um, also like it was really weird because I, I mean, you 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 had MS, right? Mm, I have it. You have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, I mean, I'm sure there was a time where you were off and not able to do anything. I mean, yeah, you had our time speaking and walking and just a lot of things. And they told me I'd, I'm going to end up in a wheelchair and give me a circuit of drug catalogs, asked me which ones I wanted to take. 
And so there's like, you're kind of like, really? You know, you kind of don't accept it. Yeah. Because it's kind of basically the end of your life. And they treated me life, like my life was over. Like, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> How long was the time period before you like figured out whatever rhythm, whatever rhythm you have now? Um, so, so I asked the doctor at that time at the doctors when they diagnosed me with the MS, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, can I still do jujitsu? And he's like, yes, as long as there's no head trauma. I'm like, okay, cool. And so I was like, I guess I was okay with, with that, you know, cause I could mm-hmm. still train jujitsu, but then you have in the back of your head, like maybe in six months, I'm not going to be able to do it anymore. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh. Yeah, I just kept that, and then I saw because they, you know, I was look. I looked up all the drugs they asked me to take, and then I looked at, you know, the results or the, you know, whatever. The, I did some some digging, and it may it says it may not, may or may not help you, but there's side effects. That's right? great. Yeah, but the side effects will definitely be there. And then you know, actually, Doctor Walls, uh, she's a she has a, a diet. She was she was she's an MD, and she has she had you know, the best you know, care it possible because of her, of who she was. Mm-hmm. And she was getting worse and worse and worse with all the stuff that they were giving her. Mm-hmm. And then she started to, like, something's got to change. She was pretty much bedridden. And she started to study about the cells and mitochondria health and things like that and the foods that give them energy. And little by little, she started to get better. And so I saw her TED Talk and I was like, okay, I can do it naturally. And so then that's all I needed to see. And you know what, what's funny is I, I, did, I just did a podcast with her this last month. Is it was like one year before I was diagnosed that she did that TED Talk. And that, that was a TED Talk that went viral. Okay. And she puts a lot of courses out and on just on studying, you know, the, the just the nervous system and how, you know. And you noticed better. immediately when you started following the diet? For like sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. I mean, it was a process, you know. I think, I think too, I started competing in jiu-jitsu because I... I, I I did like a world tour. I was like, man, maybe in six months I'm not gonna be able to do this. So I went everywhere. Yeah. When I go out on my shield, if, if this is if this is it, you know. Was it affecting your extremities or like what what made you aware that you had MS? Um, well, every five years in California and in, in Arizona, they make in Arizona and Nevada, they make you do a brain MRI for fighting. Mm. And so five years before, they found some lesions, smaller smaller lesions in my brain. Um, they let me fight. And then again, five years later, they found the lesions again, but they were bigger. And so they didn't let me fight. I was supposed to fight here locally, and they didn't let me fight. And then what year was this? This is 2012. Okay. And then they sent me to get more tests. And then after all the tests, you know, they, they, sorry, you know, you have this. And then, uh, like, kind of death sentence, you know? Yeah. Uh, supposedly. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of staring at the scene. Yeah, you know, and then, then I, that, that, the food started to help, you know, so I was like, okay, I can do this natu- naturally. But uh, I had like a, a spiritual moment in jiu-jitsu when I was competing that uh, just it made me believe in my mindset and how important it is. And then uh, I found TACFIT, and that just between TACFIT, the movement, and the great kind of movement, the, just understanding like the stri- when you stress but not too much stress and how myelinization works because basically what what happens in MS is your immune system attacks your 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 myelin you know your mm-hmm. on your nerve it's like the coating and so it attacks that and so you know when you train you know a movement for example with stress but not too much stress you get like new brain cells your arborization like the tentacles get bigger so you get more connected and you get myelinization and so that's why things started to work better for me i was able to i couldn't like comprehend reading books um i couldn't i wasn't dreaming uh, like a lot of like weird things you know that i just 
you know, just just like whatever, just keep keep going, you know. Yeah. And this things started to get come back the more I trained in tack fit, and I was like, man, I, I gotta keep going with this because this is good for me. Wow. And uh, yeah, fast forward, and you know, <laughs> I'm involved now with with tack fit, and we just wanna we wanna change the world, you know. We wanna we wanna help other people because even if if you don't have MS, it's all the right stuff that everybody needs to do to heal themselves. For example, your ankle, like you can yeah. you can you can heal yourself. You can uh, to well, your last breath. Yeah, and I've been, I mean, I'm always hurt. You told me the other day, like, you got to start doing tag fit. So I did it for, like, a week straight and then went out and hurt myself again. <laughs> but I can show you some movements, you know, and you can just spend some time, like, just, just play around, you know, like, yeah. whenever you have time, like, in the morning or whatever, whenever you have time, like, just, like, mess around with the movement on your ankle yeah. with your body weight and gravity and yeah. and go into those ranges of motions, you know, because your body forgets. It gets that amnesia, basically. Yeah. How to move in those directions. Yeah. And then, like, inevitably, I think there's, like, the self-induced panic when you've had an injury that, like, you kind of will maybe baby something that isn't there. Or there's, like, trauma with the situation where, like, sometimes I'll be, like, my ankle, my ankle. And then I'll be, like, I think my ankle's okay. I think it's just, like, in my head. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Like, you know, I mean, a lot of black belts here, like, I shouldn't say black belts, students, you know, they, they have shoulder injuries or they have whatever, any kind of injury. Before, I would be like, sorry, you know, sorry to hear that because they go to the doctor. <laughs> and then because the doctor said that, they believe it, you know, because they believe it, that's, you know, maybe they're going to get surgery. But I'm like, hold yeah. on. Now I have, like, I've been studying so much. I can see, like, I can uh, understand the body mechanics. I can see in the body. Let me see, man. Let me see. And I under I understand the movements that we do. Yeah. Like in jujitsu or, you yeah. know, the, even life, right? We all we all sit down too much. Yeah. But, like, let me see. And I, I have them do some stretches. And I'm like, like, it looks like your lats are really tight. Stretch out your lats. Like I'm going to give an example. Gus is like one of my examples. Mm. You know, Gus, the, one of our black belts here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, hey, man, I went to the doctor. They told me I had to get shoulder surgery. And so I started like, I was like, let me see, let me see. And then I looked like his lats were tight. And I could see it through his shirt, you know. And then I was like, stretch out your lats. Do this movement like every day this week, you know. And let me know how you feel after. He did it. He, You know, he believed yeah. me. He did it. And guess what? His shoulder didn't hurt anymore. And he never had to get shoulder surgery. Yep. Yeah. And like, I think they're so quick to jump the gun with that. And um, I tore my hip labrum mm. and I got PRP injections mm -hmm. and then did a bunch of physical therapy and didn't have to get surgery. Mm -hmm. And I had like two different doctors be like, no, nope, you got to have surgery. There's always, there's always a way, right? To, and I shouldn't say there's always a way because sometimes the bones stick out. <laughs> and you got <laughs> yeah. to the doctor. Sometimes there ain't. And sometimes, you know, some of the some of the drugs, you know, are, are good, right? But most, a lot of the times, like, hey, ask questions, right? It's it, And don't be say, just say, okay, because they say so. Well, I think like there's the facade of what I didn't realize and I wasn't like ignorant to it, but I didn't think I realized like until you get really bad medical advice, until mm. those doctors laid those pills out mm. and then you were like, okay, do I want it was a, a lot of pills too. It was a lot of pills. Yeah. And like inevitably, like you did your research and none of those work. Or when I had my botched surgery, I was kind of like, I didn't think they could screw this up this bad. Mm. Like I didn't think it was this bad. And I thought that like the dateline stuff about like <laughs> surgeons or doctors or whatever, you're kind of like, Oh man, like I'm never going to run into like a quack, but also you realize like sometimes doctors just don't know. And like, they don't know. They're not up to date is what I found. I shouldn't say all the, I'm generalizing doctors, but a lot of doctors aren't up to date, you know, yeah. with like, with like fascia and just how the ner the nervous system works. Yeah. And, and now working in the medical industry, I realize yeah. there's also the component of 
if you're okay, depending on the doctor, not every doctor's like this, but like if the wrong doctor is mm. suggesting you things, inevitably it's to get insurance authorizations because mm. they will get a portion of that money for doing whatever, whatever. And like I, and then the also thing of like, we are different than like the business guy who hurts himself playing tennis. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like inevitably I think the danger we put ourselves in all the time, we have to be in touch with our bodies. I mean, how many times do we roll when we're hurt? Mm -hmm. I'm never not hurt. And I roll all the time. Mm -hmm. So like I have to be keenly aware if I'm coming up to a bulldog position and my shoulder hurts to not let someone get a wizard. And I have to like, we're constantly aware of our bodies so much more than everybody. So like we might know more than they do sometimes. Mm, that's it. Sometimes that's it. I'm a knucklehead yeah. and I, and I don't, and I need like my, my physical therapist or someone to be like, Hey, you got to stop for a minute and do this PRP and whatever. But so a lot of times, like, like we're highly tuned in to mm -hmm. what we're doing because we have to be. Yeah. You know, trust our own intuitiveness. Totally. Yeah. And like, we know best. Yeah. Most, a lot of times, a lot of times, a lot of a lot times, of because I, I always think about this. Like I think about if somebody had to jump down some stairs or get arm barred or something like that, or like fight out of like a really gnarly choke for like, 30 seconds, that would be the craziest thing of their whole year. Mm. That would be like, what the hell happened today? Why did this happen? And it's like, I do that stuff all the time. You do that stuff all mm. the time. You know, it's like we inevitably are in these like situations that like if you take the average Joe, they, they would crumble, you know, like get smashed inside control for two and a half minutes. Everyone else will be dead. We slap hands and bump the next round. You know, it's like people are not built the same and like not like tooting our own horns, but like there is something to that of like we are built different. So like the tennis guy, not the same as us mm -hmm. for the same injury. Character building, right? Like skateboarding oh. and like it's tough, right? And you have to get back up. Always. And uh, keep going on. And there's every reason to not keep going right? oh. <laughs> when, when you hurt yourself and jujitsu, same thing, right? Yeah, it's the same and mental battle of like when there's, you know, the dog in line at jujitsu where you're like, all right, if I get, you know, Drew or someone like that, I'm like, this is going to be a roll, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Like you can always take the easy way out or you can like face your fears. Face and your that's, fears, and that's, that's it. The fear aspect to everything to me is the thing that like builds the character. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I respect all sports, mm. but like, I don't have to, if I'm put, if you and I are playing basketball, we don't have to worry about particular things. If there, there's something to the things that I like to do that apparently I need that weird factor. You know what I mean? Like I need that. Like when I'm going to go roll with somebody, like I need to be like, Oh, here we go. You know, like we're, we're gonna, this is going to be a scrap. And like, I have to man up. I have to do this. And it builds character. Yeah. Cause then like whatever you do on the outside, that's like one of the things that like people always say, but people always say it for a reason, mm -hmm. you know, where mm -hmm. people are like martial arts are like teaches you to, you know, do whatever in life. And it's like, it sounds corny as hell, but it is so true mm -hmm. because most people that I know and train with 
have lives that they are not scared of. They take risks, they do things, they are brave in other things that they do. Mm-hmm. You don't find a lot of sedentary people mm-hmm. who come on the mat and actually do stuff. Yeah, that's it. How did you get into martial arts? <laughs> so, you did Muay Thai first, right? Yeah, so I was working at the skate shop and um, there was uh, this guy who was a rep for Independent, you know that brand? Mm-hmm. He would come in, and him and I were buddies, and he was kind of like a notorious ass kicker. His name's Jimmy. And um, I had started going to, like, L.A. Fitness and just being a butthead. I don't know what I'm doing, but just, like, chest, squats, stuff like that. Like, the first time when you're, like, 25 or for, like, a skater when, like, I I never cared about being in shape. I was like, I skate all the time. I'm skinny. I'm fine. Um, I finally started getting into shape, and I was talking to him about it, and he was like, you should do Muay Thai. I was like, what the hell is that? He's like, like kickboxing. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you'll get in shape and you'll learn how to drop someone. And I was like, (laughs) that's definitely sounds cooler than what I'm doing. And, um, I went over to the Muay Thai Academy in Mm. North Hollywood. Mm. I stumbled upon it. I was looking for a skateboard spot and I was like, that's that, that's that stuff Jimmy was talking about. And I just was like, screw it. And I went in and I wrote a check and I was like, I'll talk myself out of this, you know? Um, and then the next day I started and I walked in and there's people just cracking bags, whack, whack. And I was like, Oh shit, (laughs) here we go. You know, like, are these guys going to kill me? Like, is this who I fight? Do I fight the first day? And then, you know, started the process of like learning how to fight. Cause like, I never really, you know, you get in like little scraps when you're a kid, but like, I never thought I would ever be like a martial artist. I even still feel weird calling myself that, but like, um, I never thought that would be anything I do. I was like, I skate. That's like what I do. Mm. And then, um, I never thought anything was be as cool as skating. Like when I found skating, I was like, this is it. There's nothing cooler than this. And then I remember Mm. like the first month I was like, this is another skating. There's something as cool as skating Mm. and like martial arts is as cool as skating. Like I had, like I was just as stoked, started watching fights. Like I used to watch video parts, Mm -hmm. studying like what cool people's styles, like how do they kick? What do they do? What do they, you know? And then, um, I I did that for like three or four years before I got hurt. And then, um, when my, my ankle start, when I went through the surgeries, uh, one of my buddies was like, why don't you like come roll? Like, you can't really kick with that thing, but you could like do some groundwork. I could show you some side control stuff. Mm. He trained at street sports. Mm. Um, and he was like, why don't you like, come, come give it a, like, come hang out, you know? And it was like, I always knew I wanted to learn how to grapple. Cause like as a striker, you're like, okay, this is cool until they do that. Like Muay Thai, it's the beginning of grappling, right? Some of the plump stuff. Totally, totally. So you're already, you're already introduced to it. Exactly, You exactly. know how it feels. There's grappling, and then I just, like, you know, you get interested in watching fights, and then you watch UFC fights, and I'm like, I better not run into one of those dudes with those ears, dogs. I'm going to get smoked, you know? And then um, when I had all my surgeries and I couldn't train, I my my buddy, once I kind of got cleared to like start doing some stuff, he was like, why don't you come to jujitsu with me? He's like, you can learn some stuff from the bottom, like whatever. He's like, you should probably learn that anyways. And he took me there and I got smashed inside. Was that big John? No, 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 no. It was this guy named Josh. Um, and, uh, he took me over to Hanato's spot Mm. and he like 
put me in side control for like five minutes and I was like, that was eye opening and scary. And like, you know, cause at that point yeah. I was like, I can kick pretty hard. I got good elbows. I know, you know, whatever. I don't think I'm great, but it was like, I didn't realize how helpless you could be and how like none of that matters when you're on the ground. Um, and then, uh, Hanato is amazing. And, you know, I kind of like got the like Brazilian fun where he just like made it fun. He was yeah. like, he pulled me aside and talked to me. And then I just was like, well, I guess I'm adding a third one to the plate here. And uh, just was like, I'm going to, and I, I told myself like, I'm going to do jujitsu for six months until my ankle gets better. And then I can start trying. I'll learn how to get up and that'll be that. And then that's, I, a, that's how we get you, right? That's how you got me. That's how you got me. <laughs> yeah, like, right. We'll six just learn months. how to get up. And then um, I ultimately just like fell in love with it immediately. Like after like two months, um, I, a couple of the coaches over there, like really like pulled me aside. Mm. And it's that I think jujitsu has this more than, Muay Thai, not that like Muay Thai doesn't have it, mm. but Jiu Jitsu has a thing where somebody will just be like, hey, come here. And like, they like sat down with me after class for like 20 minutes, mm. half hour, like, hey, this is what you're doing. Make sure, no, like, you know, and like sat me down. And then all of a sudden, like, I could like get out of side control from another white belt who had a couple more stripes on me. And I could do so. And that like light bulb thing of like, okay, I can do this. And like, these guys really are showing me. It was like that tour guide for jujitsu when you first start, like just hooked me because a lot of, a lot of martial arts, I feel like you kind of go in and it's like, Hey, you know, if you can survive the fire, you'll pull through it and you'll like mm. learn how to do this stuff, you know? And jujitsu, like those guys sat me down and like, like taught me, taught me things, yeah. you know, the mentoring aspect. And, Cause it's like the little things that like, I still think about till this day. Like, when do you time things? When do you do stuff? And like, if they were just like, here's an arm bar, it's not the same, mm -hmm. you know? So like, uh, the, the family aspect and people really caring and like that, that like hooked me immediately. And then I was like, okay, well I guess I do jujitsu now, you know? And then I was like, okay, I got to get a blue belt. So I'm not a Barney, you know, <laughs> like the white belt curse, you know, I have my white belt for a couple of years and like, I would just go to promotions and I'd just be like, please, you know, I don't care about belt color. Like I really don't now. White belts are, are people too. Well, it, it would be like, oh, well you can't come to open roll on Sundays because that's blue belt or higher or certain things. I was just like, God, just give me that damn blue There's belt. There's that the respect, right? We were talking about earlier. Like, totally. okay. And, the, and you've put in your, your work. So you have you should have some respect, but because there's no color on your belt, you don't get the respect. Yeah, yeah. Totally. In a way, you know, subconsciously. It's it, it's a thing. Like I, I'm big on like I like once I got my blue belt, I was like, I don't care what belt I am. I really don't. Like, cause it doesn't matter. You and I could flip flop belts and you're still gonna be you and I'm still gonna be me. It doesn't matter what, you know, like it matters, but ultimately I feel like people chase that mm. and like I just wanna be better. I just want to be better at jujitsu and like if I have just not a white belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is a thing, like that's the only one to me. Like, yeah, yeah. When yeah. you get past that, you're kinda like, all right, I'm one of the boys. You know, that's but it. when you still that's got that it. white belt, you're kinda like, hmm. People are kinda like, eh, I don't know if I want to roll with that guy. You get picked last. Especially if you're tall, you're like the big white belt. Everyone's like, I definitely don't want to roll with that guy, you know? Yeah. So there's there's that aspect, but since like since like getting blue it's been just kind of like 
I just want to get better at it and mm-hmm. like challenge myself and just try to be better at jujitsu, which is like, it, I feel like it ultimately gets like harder the more you know. So it's like, I should be better than I am right it just now. It never stops. You yeah. Know? It just never stops. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, we need that, you know, right? Yeah. That newness, that challenge. Yeah, we need that. If there was an end game, I would be bummed. You know? Yeah. It's like, a lifestyle, you know? You just surrender to the process. Totally. Totally. So, um, but yeah, I was stuck to, to get out of the white belt and then um, ended up coming over here from John, which was great. And like, Transferring schools is also like another thing, you know, because I was like living in the valley, but I was working on the west side. And then, you know, there's all the things about like if you switch schools, they're going to try to kill you. Your creanch, yeah. Creanch, yeah, like all that. So I just had this like nervous. I was so nervous because I, I remember I came over and talked to you and I was like, hey, like tried to do it the right way. Like, hey, whatever. And you were like, talk to Hanato and whatever. Yeah. And I was so scared to make that call because like you hear all this stuff and he was just like, okay, I understand. I was like, oh, my God. Okay. I was, like, worried about that call for, like, three days, mm-hmm. you know? I was like, I don't want to. Respect. Wanna... That's it, though. Oh, totally. That's it. You know? Yeah. And I was like, I love you guys. I just don't work over here anymore. So, like, that was one of, like, the – and then also coming to a new school. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows me. I'm just like – Well, you know Big John, right? I had, like, one in over here. But, yeah, but inevitably, like, it's still trippy. You're right, right, right. You know, like, right. starting at a new school. Like, when you're visiting – you're like, oh, you're a visitor. Hey, what's up, man? Whatever. People are pretty cool. But when you're like starting and you're like consistent and then like you don't know if you can joke with people, you don't know yeah, who's yeah, cool, yeah. you don't know who's kind of like gets pissed about or, you know, whatever. Like everybody here is honestly really cool. Yeah. But um, and, you know, started here and um, you and I had that crazy conversation before the, bring that up before the pandemic, the, the pandemic 20, 2020, when they, they announced that, you know, we had to close everything. Well, we, we closed, I think a day before we had to close, but you were the last person in the gym and it just happened. You were hitting the bag yep. in the bag and everybody left. The lights were getting turned off and we just, okay, what's going to happen? That we was, had like a crazy conversation, I mean, like end of the world that was, conversation. Like that what's going to happen? Yeah, I was just going to say that was like a moment in time. That was really like because that was the start of everything being shut down for like almost a year. And like you were the last human I right? saw in a martial arts gym. And like, like everybody left. The lights were getting turned off. And then it was like me and you just like like a, what's going to happen. Yeah, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And it was just like this real weird like that is like a historical moment that we like <laughs> shared together where it's like the lights are coming off we don't know when they're going to come back on are we going to have our friends are we going to have the sport we love are we going to have like the outlet where how long is this going to be where's it going to go and we both were just like this sucks man this is crazy and like it was that like fear of the unknown but like that was that was like that was a trip, you know. That was before I was even a student here. Yeah, yeah. And like, I think I just came here with John because John was like, "They're still open," and I was like, "Can I go?" He's like, "Yeah, they won't care." And I was you, like, "You were hitting cool. the bag." Yeah. yeah, and like, but that that like moment, and then like inevitably, like none of us trained for a really long time, or I didn't, you know. Yeah. And starting back up again was like real weird. Yeah, you know. But, uh, yeah, we didn't know what was going to happen. We spoke for, I mean, I don't remember how long it was, but it's at seemed, least a half hour. Yeah. 
it was like that, like, this is really happening. And like, <laughs> we like kind of went through it together, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was like, and in my head, I You're was like, like in the bag. And then like, just like the minute the, we was kept going, kept going, kept going. We were like sitting down and just chit chatting about it, you know? I know. And you were, you were in your head too. You were like, I have to close. I remember you telling me, you're like, I have to close. Like, I, I have to do this. And I was like... Do the right thing to protect the community. Because we, we didn't, didn't know. know. We didn't know. And then inevitably, like, I remember driving home and being like, this is so heavy and, like, I don't have a gym. You know what I mean? Like, my livelihood, my food on my table is not from something that may or may not exist in a couple months. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So I was, like, putting myself in your shoes, too, where I'm like what the hell do you even do right now? Like my livelihood and the thing that I do is an industry that will not exist for the next year. Gyms weren't open or here they weren't, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? And then, and then there was the aspect, even when we did open again, that like we were getting shit from everybody, mm -hmm. you know, like, I had DMs from people because I would post sometimes when we first started back up, mm -hmm. people being like, you're the reason my grandma can't travel and got sick and all this stuff. And now I see like people at the gym, those same people like at big events, at stuff, yeah. at whatever. And I'm like, everybody judged everything we were doing, Yeah, you know? And it was like, I just wanted to be like healthy. Yeah, that's it. And like the... It, that that was that was a very weird time because like you know whoever listens to this and like doesn't realize like the area that we're in Burbank was like like witch hunting mm. it was like really intense you know with like the COVID stuff like yeah. even more than like a couple towns over it was like Burbank was like yeah hijacking yeah. stuff they were putting like cement gates around places yeah, that was place crazy. up the street yeah so I mean I don't know like. It, it's really fortunate that like this all didn't like you were able to survive. Yeah. You know, it's thanks to you, you guys, you know, like we all came together and I think with all the craziness, I think for me, at least it gave me peace, peace of just having a community behind me. Cause we didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, everything was up and down, up mm -hmm. and down, up and down. Mm -hmm. And just having that sense of community gave me confidence. Like everything's going to be okay. As yeah. long as we have each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like supply chains, like you know, everything's closed. Like you know, you're you're essential. You're not essential. Yeah, it made it didn't make any sense. And then it was like, well, how do you fight the disease? Be in shape. Well, how do you get in shape? All the gyms are closed. <laughs> McDonald's is open. Yeah, gyms are closed. You know, and yeah. it was like it, it. I get where it was confusing on how to deal with it, but like that aspect of things, you know, like the hardest part for me was like the the communal. Yeah. Like I'm a, I'm a tribesman. Like yeah. I need skaters. I need martial artists. I need like people like me around and like, not like they have to be like me, but just like my people. You yeah, know? Th I mean the same, same with me. Like for me, it's like therapy, just seeing everybody. And for me totally. not to have, like, it's my, my life, you know, this yeah. is my life. Like this is what I do. Yeah. And to have that taken away from me, like, I mean, we did what we had, what we had to do, but man, like I'm, I'm the one that's, you know, too, like I, I felt, you know, like I was, I was, you know, I needed it, you know, oh. I needed it, you know, I mean, a hundred percent, everybody needed it, you know, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, we all needed it. And then <laughs> even like what, what I experienced too, with like, um, I work in like the substance use and mental health field, mm -hmm. they, they shut down all the AA meetings. They shut down 
they shut down everything. And it was like, you weren't even supposed to meet in person. Mm. You were supposed to have like Zoom and all this stuff. And it was like every therapeutic and communal modality got shut down for anybody that needed help. And it was like, well, that's always been all my answers for things was right. like the group check out some 12 step meetings and go to therapy and go to some outpatient for recovery once you get sober and all these things. And it was like, oh, well, all that stuff I suggest you can't you can't do any of that either. And it was like, OK, what's going to happen? Like, how are these people when isolation is the number one thing with addiction and mental health? How are they going to get out of this? If there's no place for them to not isolate, mm. there's no home for them. They can't go to therapy in person and they can't go to process groups and they can't go to 12 step meetings and they can't hang out with each yeah. other. Even it's like, what, how is like, it doesn't, was, doesn't make sense. I, I just feel like I saw like the worst toll be taken on from like the pandemic and not that like everybody didn't have like a rough aspect, mm. but it was just like between like here and work and then like regular life i was just like everybody's paying the piper right now like and the more that things went on the more i'm glad they opened up because it was just like yeah. this is not like the mental health of this like country and then like seeing how many like systems got broken it was like dude, we we have to open back up yeah. you know how did you get involved with uh, your substance abuse um um i when i was work. on when i was on crutches um, I had no interest in being a substance use counselor at all. Zero. You know, like I have a family history with, you know, alcoholism mm. in it. And I, you know, stopped drinking and using when I was 16 mm. just because of like I saw where this could go and I made this different choice. I got really into like the straight edge movement, if you know what that is. Yeah. No alcohol, no drugs, nothing. Yeah. And like it, it's basically like sobriety with like a music movement kind of and i got really into that just because it was like well i hated drugs and alcohol and what it was doing to my family so i saw that and i was like that's what i want to do you know um so i i had been around the whole process of like watching people get sober being on like the family side of it it's mm. torturous mm. and um so i knew about it and then i that same guy that showed me jujitsu josh he uh owned a treatment center and i was bored I was on crutches. My days off sucked because it was like I couldn't skate. I couldn't train. I would go to 24-hour fitness for like an hour and just do all the machines. And then mm -hmm. I was kind of like, all right, well, I got 18 other hours to whatever. So I went and visited him out in Santa Monica, and I got stuck in traffic. I was going to leave. I was talking too much. And it was like 4.30. And um, I looked at traffic, and it was like two and a half hours to get home. Mm -hmm. I was like like that pre-COVID 405, you know, like from Santa Monica at 430 was just like, you might as well just like get a hotel at that point mm -hmm. or something, you know? And he was like, I'm going to do a group if you want to come sit in. Like, like, you know, you've been around this stuff. Like, come sit in. And I was like, okay, screw it. Like, it sounds better than sitting in my car and, you know. And uh, I watched him do a process group and it was like, light bulb. I was like, oh, this is special. This is like changing people's lives. And like, I saw the way he interacted and it was like, I was watching like how people were. And then I saw like different mannerisms my family members had had. And I was just kind of like, oh man, I, I know what they're doing. They're like manipulating the situation. And then he's kind of like course correcting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is 
this is really cool. And then I asked him, I was like, can I come back next Friday? He's like, yeah, come back. He's like, I'll have you like shadow my guy if you want to like, like volunteer and hang mm -hmm. out. I was like, totally, can I? So I volunteered for a while and then I just took the dive and went to school for substance use counseling. You get like a certificate. It took like about a year and a half. Mm. So I went back to school and did that, which was like crazy to go back to school after like 20 years of not being <laughs> in school and like writing reports again, you know, in your 30s. But um, I did that and then um, ended up meeting uh, two of my best friends that later became my business partners um, through there. And we all kind of went our separate ways, but always had this idea like to do a rehab on our own and like do it our way, you know, because inevitably like working for people's great, but like there's aspects that you're like, I, I would do this differently or like, I didn't like that or, you know, and um, took us like about, I would say like two to three years of like planning and plotting. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, I ended up opening, you know, with my friends, like we opened a spot last January. Mm -hmm. So congratulations. Yeah. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And that has been a whole bag. I mean, you own a business. It's like anything can and will happen when the roof leaks, you got to fix it. When mm -hmm. something happens, you got to fix it. Like I didn't know how many things happened until I started, <laughs> you know, being like, you know, part of like a business team. Um, but it's inevitably like, I'm, the th I'm so stoked, you know, as hectic as it is, I'm sure you're proud of legacy. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm really proud of like what we're doing and, and like putting our twist on it, you know, what makes you guys unique? What kind of things have you changed that, uh, yeah. make you guys special um, or I, that you thought that was, that was good. That worked. Yeah. 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 So I, I kind of took the things that I felt like worked like a lot of treatment can be, there's things that work. And then sometimes there's things that are kind of just like part of stuff that works in the industry. Mm. And it's kind of meant to keep you comfortable, you know, cause inevitably like if I have you and I'm billing your insurance and you end up coming back, there's an aspect of that to where like that can be, profitable for me, mm -hmm. you know, repeat business, even though people like never like set out to want it. There's things that like places do to make people comfortable just mm -hmm. so it's like here, just like whatever you want, we'll do. Mm -hmm. So I like always wanted to have like a structured program where like it was kind of built off like honesty, like mm -hmm. really good therapists. Um, the groups are all uh, really like tailored towards like how to like really prevent relapse, how to look in the past, like tools you can do to, to get out. And then also like we do yoga cause I want people mm. to move their bodies. Yeah, I yeah. have a chef that makes like quality, good food. Um, so people start treating their bodies better with like actual cooked meals that are like, it's not just like burgers and fries. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. she makes like, which makes a difference, right? Of oh. the chemistry in your brain and, you know, your body? I mean, you know, like, if I saw the way I ate now 10 years ago, I wouldn't even know what the hell I was eating. Like, I didn't eat kale. I didn't know what kombucha was. <laughs> I didn't know what any of this. An acai bowl, never heard of it, you know? Um, but, uh, and then I have, like, um, one of my friends who does Muay Thai comes on Sundays and just shows him, like, basic movements. I do breath work. 
Um, we try to do a lot of stuff that incorporates like the spiritual body connection mm. and then also like the therapeutic side, like let's work through what you have to with like family dynamics, your past, whatever traumas you have. But then there's this like other aspect that like when you're in active addiction, you're not taking care of your body. So for 30 days, if you're doing breath work, doing yoga, eating better, sleeping better, feeling better, like inevitably you're going to be way more likely to do well, you know? And like, we don't have like cake every day. We don't have like snacks and it's like, it's not like a prison or anything, but just like, ultimately I try to do my best to like enforce good habits because mm. inevitably that will lead to like success. That's it. Yeah. And, and that's like all I want for everybody that comes in is like, I don't think anybody goes to rehab to like not get it, mm. but inevitably a lot of times things get in the way and I try to do as much for people to progress as much as they can for like the short time that I have them. That's cool. You guys, you, you're, you're really into making a difference, not just going through the steps. I but try. Making, doing your best to make yeah. a difference to a lot get of, the results. Yeah, and like a lot of times rehab will like, you know, you ever, what's that Marvin Hagler line where he's like, you know, you can't, uh, it's hard to get out of bed in satin sheets, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of rehabs like that, they'll, they'll put you up in like the poshest house mm. with the crazy amenities, you know, hot tubs, massages, acupuncture, and you're almost like rewarded for like having like gone to like the dark side and not that like uh, we don't punish anybody by any means but it's like i really like think like really processing whatever actually happened is like the best case scenario that like you know start building the habits right totally building the habits start building the habits getting movement into, nutrition totally therapy like i'd rather have more therapy and less massage therapy mm. <laughs> because like therapy is actually going to like help you change your dynamics and your thought patterns to to get you out of those situations I told you about my dad, right? You mentioned it one time, but okay. we were at the fight, so I didn't really okay, get into okay. it. No, I he, was, I uh, you know, he was in AA for 33 years. He passed away this last year, yeah. but uh, he made it uh, you know, all the way through. Once he became sober, he became sober. That's amazing. And uh, dedicated his life to helping others do the same. What was his story? Um, you know, he was adopted, World War II, you know, something, something out of a movie, you know, and uh, he was adopted by a crazy... Uh, the, the mom was crazy, you know, the, the dad left, but uh, abuse, abuse, not sexual abuse, but like just yeah. abuse, you know, when yeah. he was a kid. And, uh, and uh, he dealt with it by, uh, by uh, drinking, you know, mm -hmm. uh, starting like my mom and all the, you know, the, the, from New Mexico. So, you know, he, that's how he dealt with it. it was just masking it, masking that trauma with uh, drinking. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and then he, you know, lost, lost it a few times and, and then was able to be a dad, mm -hmm. you know, second dad. Cause my, my parents, my parents like uh, separated, but he went back. I got to, ha you know, so I lived in New York have, yeah. uh, you know, live, live out with him mm -hmm. and, uh, really got to see like what he does and, and like the humility too of him, you know, like that side yeah. of like, yep. and you're always, you're going to be an alcoholic. I'm going to be an alcoholic till the day I die. Mm -hmm. And I'm one drink away from, you know, yep. going down the thing. Yep. And like, man, a really powerful, really powerful guy. He helped a lot of people. Yeah. He really dedicated his life to just helping all those around him. That's that's like the special part to me that I like seeing is like like those kind of stories. Like when you see the wins, you know, and like you see somebody who is like really down and out and then you see him go through the process and then inevitably they have this like 
light about them mm. where somehow this person who has this bad rap sheet who like lost these things, did these things, mm. all these negative things happen. Well, they're like now like the, the beacon, mm. you know, mm. and they end up giving people like the rub and yeah. then, and then those people, it's this like weird trickle down for something. And like, that's like another rad community that like has something that like you, you, you can't really have it unless you have it. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's like the same thing with that guy spending 30 minutes of his time to help you with your side control on the bottom. Totally. To escape, right? He had he gained nothing. Sharing from the that. love, sharing the love, and then you keep spreading it. Yeah, totally. my my dad went to Vietnam too. He's a Green Beret, and so like in PTSD and stuff didn't yeah. help, right? Yeah. But usually they say like that kind of stuff is with uh you know like childhood kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever get out any jams because of uh, your dad, like uh, just being in the military or anything? Um, as far as what, like I don't. I've so my grandpa was in the in the Marines mm. and I for some reason have gotten out of so many jams with like cops like skating or something just by pulling that like military family Yeah, you card. know well, my dad he was in in college and I guess in that time like you had to you, if you were in college you didn't have to go you, Yeah, you know, you had, so he volunteered actually Yeah because uh, he believed in not that he he believed in the war but he believed in he just he didn't feel like it was right that other like young Americans were fighting over there when he was you know he was really grateful to be like an American citizen just because he was you know his story yeah you know like one of the abuses was the mom the the adopted mom was like I'm gonna deport you you know when he was a kid <laughs> you know so like one of the first things that the the people did was make him a citizen help him become a citizen so he's just grateful for the opportunities he had to really make some, something cool. of himself and. And so he volunteered, you know, to go, and then he went all in. I guess that's amazing. <laughs> that, you know, yeah. but he just went in, you know, for that that time, you know. So it wasn't really like a military, but he was, he was, he went all the way when yeah. he did. Yeah. The time he was, because he he was an engineer who's really smart. Yeah. Oh, he's an engineer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. And then he taught himself computer programming. You know, after after he changed, he changed totally changed career and his career and taught himself computer programming in the in the nineties. And Shane did that. <laughs> That's an interesting one. Yeah. How did your parents feel about you fighting? Um, interesting, right? Well, I thought I never thought I would be fighting like MMA. No. I'm, no, no. I, I even, you know, it's like I'm never, I'm never gonna do that valetudo stuff. You know, <laughs> I just enjoyed jujitsu when it, how it made me feel. Yeah. Like it really brought out the best in me. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I got my black belt, and I was like, okay, I want to see if this stuff works in a in the cage you know yeah and then king of the cage came to new mexico and uh and then i just called him up i was like hey can i get on and, and that was that yeah and then well they oh, yeah yes sure and then they put me on the undercard do you remember dan severin of course so dan severin was the main event and so then i went in like Whoa. do i how much money do i get they're like oh, like 300 bucks i'm like okay do i is there any other ways i can you know i can make something and they're like uh oh, you can get percentage off your tickets so i put like you know Ten thousand bucks on my credit card, and 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 then I went from being on the undercard to the semi main event right before uh, Dan Severn. Wow! You know, and that was my my birth into fighting MMA. So you basically bought ten thousand dollars worth of tickets yeah. on your own. Yeah, I had a credit card. I was like, boom, let's do it. You know, because I had never fought in New Mexico, because I had always fought like in Brazil, all over the world, right. in jujitsu, and so that was my my time to, you know, for people to see me. And how did that fight go? It was good. I, I, you know, I won. I did a crucifix, and then, and then they want me to fight again, and then they knew I wanted to fight the champion, and so they were like, "Okay, 
they, they ended up even canceling the next event because I wasn't going to fight on it. It was like, man, it was like, you lose money, right? Training yeah. for the fight, like 300 bucks, right? Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, so that was like, okay, like if you, because they knew the, I wanted to fight the champion, you mm-hmm. know, and so they was like, if you do this next fight, we'll give you a title shot. I was like, okay, sounds good. And so I did it and I won and then I got the title shot and then I won and then I kept going and, you know, and, you know, got to fight around the, fight around the world, to fight in Japan, fight different places, you know. Wow. And uh, have a like I have a career, you know. Uh, yeah. For I did I fought for like ten years, and uh, it was it was it was I'm really grateful, man, just for all the things that I've been able to do with choosing this way, you know, this this path. Did the MS make you pull the ripcord? Is that what that was? Um, like well, what made you? Stop? Yeah, they didn't they, they didn't pass my medical. I, I didn't I didn't pa- pass my medical, and so yeah, I couldn't I couldn't be licensed anymore. Uh, my wife was super happy because she's like, you don't need to be fighting anymore. <laughs> My last fight was in the south of France, where I brought her as my corner. So it's like it was a way to, to go out in the sunset, you know. Wow, uh, a good fight for that, you know. Did you kind of know that was going to be your last fight? Uh, I didn't, I didn't. But uh, if it was, that was the way to do it. And so yeah. afterwards, I was like, that was the way to do it, you know. Yeah, like hindsight, you're like. Yeah, okay, like I mean, I fought in a gla- in a gladiator gladiator arena, uh, like right on the Mediterranean. Like they said, like real gladiators fought there back in the. It was like old, you know, everything's old, right? Is at Montpellier outside of Montpellier on this island, and uh, and uh, yeah, I fought. It worked out, you know. And I brought my wife as my corner. Of course, I had people there to help me corner and stuff, <laughs> but uh, but uh, uh, you know, enjoyed the nice vacation, you know. After that, you know, got a got a rented a convertible and went down to Saint Tropez and all the con and all the stuff, you know. After that, that so that yeah. was a way to that was a way How to finish you? your career. Yeah. I mean, how do you get better than that? That really is yeah. like a weird movie situation. That's like a Van Damme. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Ending yeah. a blood sport kind of situation. Yeah. Like I got my girl cornering me. Yeah. And like then we just chilled in Saint Tropez. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know, <in> <laughs> that's it. it worked out because it could have been different too, right? If uh, it didn't work out, but I oh, believe could have been way different. I mean, ultimately, I think that's pretty cool that like. From the jump, you just like bet on yourself. Literally, ten thousand dollars worth. Yeah, and I'm sure you probably didn't have ten k at the time. It was a credit card. I put it on my <laughs> credit card. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. How did you pay that back? Uh, I was I sold all the tickets and I made money. Oh, you really did sell? I them. sold all of them. Wow. You know, I had already been see since so 2002, so I already had a gym for a couple years. No, it was three. So three. No, two years. Yeah, two years. And of course, I had my. I'd been teaching there for years before that in New Mexico, in a small town, Santa Fe, New Mexico. And so when, when I was finally going to fight there, I had a lot of support. Crazy. And then so there the was, whole town came out. Yeah. And you, you know Greg Jackson? Yeah. Okay. So I trained with him. I trained with him. Mm-hmm. And so all of the Albuquerque people came as well. You know? So I had like the whole stadium. The so when I actually, people. yeah. And so when I fought actually for the title, like the whole stadium was chanting my name. You know? And so. <sighs> Yeah, it was, it was cool. It was cool. That's wow. it was a pay-per-view event. It, like, man, I heard it, it was like right neck and neck with the UFC at the time, where BJ Penn fought Call Uno, and it was like their second fight, so nobody really cared about it. Oh, crazy! But the fight I had it was with Javi Vasquez. It was like a big grappling event. Yeah, went the distance, and and uh, yeah, a lot of people were talking about it, and it worked wow. out. You know, that's crazy. Wow. But I had a lot of support. You know. A lot of years of, of helping people out, you know, those little 30-minute chats, you know? Oh, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing, too, is, like, when when you are authentic, I think people want to do right by... That's, like, you know, 
that's with anything in my life. If somebody calls me and I know they're like that person and I know where their heart's at. Like, yeah. of course I'm going to support that, yeah. you know, yeah. like I'll do whatever. So yeah, I'm sure when you put the bat signal out, it was like, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was, it was cool. Fighting, fight, fighting at home, you know? Yeah. After all these years. How is it watching fights now? UFC, like, UFC fights or like, do see? you like, like, MMA fights like does it trip you out to like watch like do you get the feeling of like I want to get in there you know I'm proud of my time when I was there because I was able to represent jujitsu you know because right. in the early days you were you were representing your martial arts right and I'm very proud of the days I did fight because I was representing jujitsu yeah I really believed in jujitsu and so I was able to you know, do jujitsu in the cage. Like I had like 15 wins, 14 by submission, you know? Really? Yeah. So like I was able to do jujitsu, like the gentle arts, you know? And uh, like I watched the fights and, you know, I, I did want to fight some more, you know, but mm -hmm. like I'm grateful, man. I'm grateful. I got to, I got, I got to do it all, you know? Yeah. From yeah. fighting all over to, you know, just the, everything we did. It yeah. Was, it was, I, lived to the fullest you know yeah i mean it's you, and it's probably for the best because if maybe you know the brain stuff and maybe wouldn't have been you know good for that for me to have a longer career well, doing what i did so that's i feel like we almost have a parallel there because i'm like i don't think i'd ever be at the position of opening the rehab mm. if my ankle ever hurt itself it would have taken something that gnarly to derail me to see the light for anything else because mm. i was all in you know, and maybe you feel that way about like fighting where like if I didn't have this brain thing, I don't know if I'd have my own gyms. You know, also like I met Scott Son and the creator of TacFit because of my first UFC fight. My first jiu-jitsu coach in New Mexico was actually this Navy SEAL guy. Okay. And he's like, you got to meet this guy named Scott Son. And, and he did this protocol with me and I learned all these things. And it was something I never forgot. One of the big things was I got thrown on my head like somebody suplayed me. Mm-hmm. And usually, you know, it's like 46 weeks, you're in a lot of pain, you take pain pills, maybe even talk about surgery. And I was able to heal myself within like, man, like a week with movement. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this works. Mm -hmm. I can heal myself with movement? Like what? Like <laughs> yeah. I never heard about that. Yeah. I never really knew about that. Yeah. And he showed me and then uh, I always wanted to do it. And then fast forward when this MS thing, and then sure enough, like my subconscious took me to cert and the rest is history, man. It changed my life. It gave me everything back. Gave me everything back. Yeah. Hindsight's always oddly 2020, where you're like, well, if I wouldn't have met him, mm -hmm. then I wouldn't have had the answer to this thing that inevitably happened to me. Mm -hmm. And then now, like, I wouldn't have been able to share that with these people. It's like, I don't know. It's weird how, like, the chips fall into place yeah. where, like, yeah. At the time, it was the most devastating thing for me, but I would have never met my friends who I started mm. the rehab with. I would have never opened it. The people have had their experience with us and like are doing super good now would have never had that. It, you're just kind of like, wow. Like, yeah, when I speak to you, you're into it. Like you love what you do. I love it. When I speak to you, like I, I, you love what you do. Yeah. You love making a difference. And I'm like, cool. I like that. It's, that feels real to me. It, it's not just a business. It's not just like, I want to get some insurance money. You're like, I want to make a difference. And that's everything. It, it's you. And, and when you asked me before, like what makes the difference is like, I'm, I'm there every day, you know, like, like you're here every day, mm. your name's not on the wall. And then it's like, Oh, Alberto Crane comes in once a month and does like a seminar and like, you know, whatever. I see you here all the time. Mm. 
I run into you at least a couple times a week, you know, and on open mats and mm. stuff. And it's like, that's what, there's a reason that legacy is successful and any good gym mm -hmm. where it's like, you can't stray too far from what you created. Mm -hmm. And I'm there every day, you know, like I was late today to this, which I apologize for, but like, because of You're something that was happening yeah. there, like I had to deal with something that was coming up. So like you, I never want to be too far from it and I never will be like, it will be something that like, you know, when, when you're there and you're making sure something's good, then like it will run the way. And mm -hmm. then inevitably people believe in what you're saying. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were here once a month, I'd be like, Oh, he's like a satellite gym owner and like using his name and it is what it is. Yeah. But you're the opposite of that. Yeah. You know, you know, all your students, you talk to everybody, you're on the mats with us, you teach classes. It's like, that's, that's inevitably what will lead to, to anybody's success. And you have to love what you're doing to do that. You know? And I like, a, a desk job and I don't I don't care what anyone else does just for me like if I had a job that like I just didn't care about I don't know what I'd do you know I've been only having jobs that I was so fired up about either working in skating or working in substance use and mental health like I love it and like I I like need that with everything I do mm -hmm. you know like I I don't like downtime I don't like not like meaningless stuff, you know, cause I really don't want to sound like a high horse or anything, but like, I just, I need that like reason. I need mm -hmm. reason for everything. Your why, mm -hmm. you know? And like, um, you have it. I can tell you have it with everything that you're doing. And like, I want people to have that and get that experience when they come to the rehab and, and everybody that I work with has the same thing. You know, I don't have any like stragglers cause it's like, they're going to have to be around us mm. and like you know you guys will know yeah totally yeah. it's like it's not gonna work it's 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 like a battle cry you yeah. know like you got to have that and like i i i look for that in everything and like inevitably if something doesn't have that i stray from it which is like why i think i've just stayed on the same path of just like the stuff that i know i love and like i can't get enough of it you know i love it love it so What's the name of your uh, your rehab facility? Uh, Refine Recovery. Refine mm -hmm. Recovery. Yep. Dot com? Uh, yep. RefineRecovery.com. Um, and uh, I, you know, I wanted to, I always wanted to be that place where, like, I'll help anybody. But there's, like, the tribal aspect to skateboarding, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, whatever that, you know, like inevitably as we expand, I want to get more involved with my communities mm. because like we're all stubborn as hell, mm. you know? And like for that person that like may be struggling with something mm. like, and like it could mean like, oh, that guy does jiu-jitsu. Maybe I'll give him a call. He might understand where I'm coming from. You know, like I want to be that place where like, I don't like to ask for help for anything. But I'll talk to you about TACFIT because my knee hurts and something else hurts. I'll ask you for help. God forbid I go ask anyone else, like, outside of my community. Yeah. And I just know that's a thing. So inevitably, like, I want to expand, you know, to, like, the things that I love and, like, you know, put the bat signal out there, you know, so to speak, of, like, if you need help and you're struggling with something, like, please hit me up. And mm -hmm. even if I can't help you, if you don't qualify for a program, like I will find you help, mm -hmm. you know, I'll do whatever I can because like it sucks asking for help, but also like the amount of people that like we've all seen go down 
in martial arts from substance use, those people who you're like, man, if they would have just asked or something would have yeah. happened or, yeah. you know, like it, it's like, it, it's like a phone call away, yeah. you know? So I want to inevitably try to be like a sounding board for that because like the last thing I want is like any more of like our like brotherhood and sisterhood to like go down from like substance use or mental health. Cause yeah. like, I, you get sick of like funerals and terrible stories and stuff. And it's like, it just doesn't have to happen. It doesn't have to happen. So, That's you know, and, um, my Instagram is shark justice. It's a stupid name. Shark justice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, professor X was asking me what your Instagram was. And I was like, Casey and then shark justice. <laughs> okay. I knew it was something different. It was, it was like what? right when Instagram started and it was like a stupid joke. And now it's like, people know me as that, Yeah, you know, like, Sometimes, like, there's too many people that you know with, like, all the stuff you like to do. And inevitably, sometimes you just know people by, like, their Instagram names. Yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. I have people that know me. They're like, oh, Shark Justice. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't change that shit, man. I'm going to, if I. What's if, the story behind it? Oh, God. It's so <laughs> stupid. Um, back in the day, uh, before, uh, like, anything on the Internet, there was message boards. I don't know if you remember this, yeah, like, course, yeah. like music, Marshall, everything had message boards. And then there would always be like one that was hot where mm. everyone would go and like talk shit. And there was this band that had that I hated. The dudes in the band were lame. All of my friends hated them. And like it was just like the place you'd go to talk shit, mm -hmm. you know. So like, you know, we're like 16, 17, like talking shit on this message board. But you have to create a name. And so I created i don't even know where i got it from shark justice and i would write to them and be like when you play that show i'm gonna show up and i'm gonna drag you into cold dark waters that you've never seen just like just all these like stupid shark references that and like you kept it for instagram <laughs> it was my email and uh, then okay, okay. and then um when insta popped up i was like i don't know i don't want to just like put my name that's lame and then one of my friends was like you need to make it shark justice and i was like all right, cool. And then it's stuck. And then it's just such like a weird name that's cool. that like people know me as that. Yeah, now. Yeah. And like, I'm fine with it. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's stupid, but I ended up kind of just liking it. Cause it's like, I don't know, like put my name yeah, official or something. It's like, I don't know. It's Good. just a stupid Good. name, but yeah. But I mean, if anybody ever wants to like hit me up or, you know, private message me, if you have anything that you, you know, need help with or anything like Inevitably, I I just like being in the helping business and want to like, you know, whoever needs something, if I can help them, like, I mean, why wouldn't I, you know? So, thank you, brother. Thank, thank you, you for the work you do. Appreciate and you. And I appreciate your friendship. Of course, same man. This was awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm.